0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles.
1: There's a couple. This is actually a sort of a harder episode, I thought, to find. We thought. Halophic, we thought <laughs> also to find halotic Jewish <laughs> types of topics to um, you know to get into. So there's there's. One main thing, and this is what we talked about earlier in the, in the pre-class, and then there was another idea that, you know, maybe we'll see how much there is to talk about the first topic and perhaps we'll go into a second or you know, other topics as well. Um, so what, the first topic is something that relates to but is different from an earlier class, which is about Nagia, about romantic contacts, you know, things like holding hands, hugging, kissing, and so forth. Um, between members of the opposite sex, and specifically the question about whether that applies to someone like Roe, who is not sexually attracted to women, he might want to marry a woman he might want to have children with him, but he is not actually sexually attracted to a, to women um, so that 's sort of the the first topic that we wanted to talk a little bit about is sort of negia as it relates um, to gay people, you know, men and women. And I'll just share, let I me, mean, I'll just share briefly, uh, sorry for those of you here earlier who already saw the sources, but just to sort of run through a little bit of the halakhic background. Um, the the verse in Leviticus and Vaikra says, each uh, shall call sha- Sha'er So you should not come near anyone to their own flesh to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. And focusing on this extra word in the verse, rather than um, they said, you know, the rabbis understand the come near to be things that sort of bring you close to intercourse. Um, and Maimonides takes a very hard line on that, saying, you know, anyone who hugs and kisses and so forth in a sexual way, and the key here is, and takes pleasure in that physical intimacy, receives lashes. Um, and that's sort of what the Shulchan Arif says as well. Right? If one has bodily contact with any of the RIOs, any of them who's you know, it's forbidden to have sexual contact with, or he hugged and kissed and benefited from the nearness of the flesh, he receives lashes. And, and there's others who disagree with the Rambam. The Rambam disagrees and says, no, it's not not a Torah-level prohibition. Um, only the actual intercourse is a Torah-level prohibition. Um, the Shah commenting on the Shulchan Arif says, similarly, you know, we're only talking about a case in which a passion rose in his heart from the closeness of the flesh. Um, right? He says, only hugging and kissing done in a sexual manner is forbidden. I was reading the Talmud about rabbis who would hug and kiss their daughters and so and sisters and so. But right? the Rambam only states that a person taking pleasure in this hugging and kissing and benefiting from this contact is lashed. And others even disagree and say there's no Torah prohibition at all. So all of which is to say, if the prohibition really comes from the passion arising in your hearts and so forth, um, you know, does it even apply to someone who's not sexually attracted to them? Even if there is some enjoyment if or some um benefit as it were, right? I'm saying like you know, women who are attracted to men find benefit in hugging women, not because they're sexually attracted to them, but because there's sort of an emotional care, an emotional kind of let's say you even use the word intimacy, that's non-sexual in nature. So, you know, if Roe holds Ruut's hand. And even if he does find, even if he does benefit, he gets hana, he gets benefit from it, but that hana is non-sexual in nature. He feels an emotional closeness. He feels supported. He feels loved even, but not coming from a place of of romantic sexual attraction. You know, does that fall within this prohibition um, that we're talking about here? Okay, I see Debbie and Steve have raised their hands call on them so
2: so given that Rowie is attracted to men yeah is it then wrong for him to hug another man or touch another man
1: good question so that's the flip side of this question and because it didn't come up in this episode and i sort of imagine it'll come up at some point i was like eh, we'll get to that when it comes up based on how it comes up um but it's certainly an interesting question. There is conversation in the Shulchan Aruch about uh, like Yichud, for example, the fusion of men with men. And, you know, actually with the, uh, the Tor, who the Shulchan Aruch is sort of, originally the Beis Yosef is a commentary to the Torah, then Rabbi Yosef Karo, who wrote the Beis Yosef, commentary to the Torah, then writes then the Shulchan Aruch. So from that era, talks about how there's no issue of Yichud with Jewish men two Jewish men together can be alone together. But he says, you know, and he says, the reason is that we, you know, we assume we're not chashud al um, Mishkafzah. We're not, we, we don't suspect them that if two Jewish men are alone together, they're going to be having sex. But he says a Jewish man, you know, shouldn't be alone with a non-Jewish man because sort of we don't know what kinds of things they do. And like, you know, we're not worried with people who are part of this community, but with beyond the community, like, we don't know the norms, we're worried about things, so, like, better to not be alone together. And presumably that would apply to touch as well. So there is a conversation.
3: Um,
1: and, but generally they say we're not, we don't have sort of a universal prohibition about it um, because they're not, there's no khasha, there's no sort of universal suspicion. But it's a good question, and again, it's, one that I am sure that we will get, I shouldn't say sure, I haven't seen Beyonce's so. I imagine we'll get into it. Somewhere.
4: Okay,
5: um, Renee anyway. and then Leonard and Rebecca.
4: But isn't it true that even regardless of the sex part or not the sex part, they're not because they're opposite sexes anyway, they shouldn't be touching. Like even if even if I were to walk into a room with some other man who happens to be a from man, I mean, we wouldn't be able to even shake hands. Hello, in theory. Number one, that's my first question or comment, and the other is that he implied in this episode because they were talking about, well, would you want to try it? But if you see that it's not shyek, then will you please at least tell me? Mm-hmm. So you know, he's he hasn't he hasn't uh, admitted a hundred percent that you know he's considering still the possibility that maybe he's not that maybe he doesn't have only heterosexual uh, homosexual feelings.
1: Yeah. Right. So he certainly seems to be sort of in that place of exploring still. Um, and he's saying, you know, I was in yeshiva surrounded by men for years. Like I guess, you know, there's a lot to sort of unpack about what, you know, how where my attractions lie. I know I'm attracted to men. I'm not sure about women, is sort of what he says. Um, as to the first point, that's sort of the big question. Um, based on the sources that I just brought, which are sort of the main halakhic sources on the topic, it's not so clear that it's problematic to shake hands with a man or woman who you would say sort of almost almost like categorically wouldn't is unlikely to be a romantic partner but they yet
4: they don't do it i mean i even on a professional level when i've gone with other you know in a room where there have been other from men they won't shake hands with i mean i know not to extend my hand obviously but they wouldn't reach out their hand to shake my hand
1: so, I think it's a question of the they and the who 's the they right from some human. men from men some from from men, many from it's men would say, you know what it 's easier to just have a universal policy of not shaking hands because then if I do shake hands with someone that 's basically my it's almost saying like, yeah, there's no way in the world I would ever be romantically interested in you, so and that 's why i 'm shaking your hand right versus someone else who Oh, I'm I I not I'm refraining from shaking your hand. Maybe that means I'm interested in you, and so I think, you know, widespread custom is to just avoid it entirely. But looking, you know, solely at the halachic literature, the you know from Maimonides and the Shulchan Aruch and so forth, it seems like only someone with whom you would actually, you know, benefit. You would have you know, the words that are used are han'a and tava. You know that you're sort of um, you know, you have a a desire for you have a so is it okay
4: to be, is it okay to say those uh, quotes then to uh, from men that I now encounter from now on?
1: <laughs> no. I'm saying they might say like a they might not know right so a they might not know b there's a social so like sociological component that if you shake hands then that means you're you know it's assuming you're not from and c I think that point that I made before about right how where do you draw that line? Oh, if someone's twenty years older than me, I won't shake their hands, but if they're thirty years older than me, I will like where you know how do you how do you draw a line? sometimes it's easier to just have a blanket i I don't shake hands with women and that way I don't have to worry about it. right um, so it's, yeah
5: can i can I it's, jump in here for that um, i, I think I think it's also just a matter of like your own personal boundaries, right so if you became from later in life or or just, you know, after you were five, right? You didn't grow up from. There are going to be people in your life who were not used to you being Shomar Nagia or used to your kind of constraints of... of how we would think of just like socially saying hello to people um, in a non from world, right? So you might decide for yourself, okay, I, I am from now. But if I encounter someone who knew me at a time when I was not from, I am going to take their hug or let them kiss me on the cheek or or shake their hand or whatever it might be. Because those are your boundaries, right? It's hard to say to somebody that I don't do that anymore, but you used to know me at a time when I did do that. Whereas when you are meeting someone for the first time who is in this category of keeping Shomer Nagiya, they, they need to assume that there could be a world in which you you could be in this same category. You could be someone who they benefit from in terms of touch or in terms of intimacy or in terms of... Um, feeling that benefit from their embrace, right? So I think that that's that's the other side of this, which halacha obviously doesn't go into because halacha is like this is what you do, this is what you don't do. But the the sociology and the kind of the feelings, the emotional aspect behind it is also your own boundaries and your own your own. Uh, um, limitations to what relationship means to you when you take on these different laws, which also plays into, by the way, homosexual relationships, right? Because even if it's not written in halacha, the idea of a man keeping Shomer Nagiyah with other men for himself, not because of halacha might make sense because he knows that he is uh, attracted to men rather than women. So Though it's not written in halacha anywhere, that is back to Debbie's question. Like that's that's a, that is a big part of personal choice of what does shomer negia now mean? That I've broken down this construct of heterosexual relationship, but again, not halachically. Just you know, in in their own brains. Okay, Rebecca and Leonard, and then Barbara.
1: Just and me, then I'm just, jo- gonna, just noting, I know a number of our New Orleans people are losing power, so um, <laughs> hopefully. You know, people keep power as long as they keep power for. And if people pop off, perhaps even myself included, but hopefully not, um, you know what? I can't wait. <laughs> so,
5: yeah. Are people losing power for a reason? There's a story. Like, is something story. happening?
1: There's oh, uh-huh.
5: we we lost power at my house. Yes. We, we <laughs> yes. can see. <laughs> Dark. Okay. Well, Los Angeles will continue to lighten <laughs> you up. Okay, Leonard and Rebecca, then Barbara, then Jeff and Linda, or Jeff, whoever's there.
6: Okay. Uh, before I make the comment I was <laughs> going to make, uh, just to address what Rabbi Schatz just said, I, I, you know, I can recall at least one incident where I have a male Froom cousin who didn't used to be so from and I had hugged him. But now I, you know, I wouldn't approach him. But then I observe that another, let's say, female cousin or relative or something, I, I kind of look and I see, oh, yeah, yeah, they're hugging. Okay, it's okay for me so then I, so then I do uh, approach it, but I assume that you know I want to be respectful, even though I used to hug this person but if i if I get any kind of a hint that okay yeah it 's still okay then you know then I do it
5: mm-hmm.
6: but um yeah, my, I, no, go ahead. My comment was going to be um, in thinking about people who identify as bisexual um, you know i uh, I recall somebody saying that. <clears throat> that that orientation um, came later in life to them. And so in thinking about um, Roe, where, okay, he's thinking he's attracted just to men, but it could be that he might, depending on if he meets a certain woman, might also be attracted to women. But if he goes ahead and holds hands or touches, whatever, it's like then he'll get that feeling, but then it's too late. He's already, you know... um, you know, gone against uh, what he should have done. So it it seems uh, it seems like uh, you can't uh, can't go ahead and um, attempt. You know, to hold hands or, or, or touch because then if you do get that feeling and are attracted
5: uh, to the woman, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also an interesting way of thinking about how you create. Um, I know I keep using the word boundaries, but how how you create those relationships even before you know if a person is going to be someone who, who gives you those feelings of benefit or or um, uh, intimacy, right? So that part of what the the stringency of Sherman Aguia does is says, you are a man, you should not touch any woman because there is a chance that you will feel that with every woman that you shake hands with or give a hug to or, you know, so... So though it, though it does come down to those feelings being shared once, once you are touching the other person, part of the, part of the fence that we put around this piece of big T Torah, right, is that you don't wanna even get to that point of touching because you might end up with those feelings even if you don't know that you would, similar to what you're describing for someone who might not even know that they're bisexual. Um, the other point that I was going to say with your example of Roe is that he very clearly—we we don't know if he's bisexual, right? He he could be, um, but he very clearly is stating that he has feelings for men in a sexual, romantic way, and he wants to be married to a woman and have children because, in his world, that's how that happens. So when you when you look at the when you look at the laws and you look at the literature around uh Nagia and around relationships you realize that even though it says benefit you, even if he's not sexually attracted to his wife he is benefiting from her in having children with her if he if he's in a relationship with her. So the the lines then become blurry to a person who is closeted and choosing a different life than the one that they actually might be um, uh, attracted to. Not the word I was saying before, oh, but.
7: I see a problem here. If we say that, uh, you know, f- that men shouldn't be touching women because they might be sexually attracted to them. And even to go so far to say, don't touch any women except the ones you're closely related to, you know, lest you say, I'm not attracted to you or I wouldn't find you a attractive partner or whatever. But for, in the same sense, then Roe E shouldn't be touching any men. But by refusing to touch any men, he's announcing that he's attracted to them. So right. that seems to be a problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I mean, and I'll note, you know, Rabbi Shotz was sort of talking about the universal, you, you know, the the sort of the, the widespread norm of sort of universally not touching, you know, men not touching women and vice versa. And, I'll, and again, I'll just point out, that's actually not halacha. That's much more sociological than it's halachic. Um, but Leonard, your point, I think is a really important one, that if someone is sort of, is gay and, is suddenly touching women and not men. It's sort of announcing to the world, which they might be, they might want, but they also might not want, and they also might want sometimes and not other times. But you know, I remember one of my cabrutas when I was at Pardes who was gay talked about how he loved davening in mechitza Minion, even though, you know he he preferred davening in a you know non egalitarian space because he said it's like as like an openly gay man, he said, "It's like one of the few places where he's just a man without caveats." And he said, "There's so many other places where it's sort of like, oh, you're well, you're a gay man, you're a man who's attracted to this." He's like, "Here, there's sort of no, it's just you're a man, period." Um, and he and he appreciated that, even as someone who is openly gay and so forth. So, you know, like there are there are those pieces that you know sort of connecting with what what uh, Leonard is touching on. Yes, certainly very much there.
5: Okay, Barbara, then Jeff, you put your hand down. Was that intentional? Okay. Um, And then Norm, and then Karen, and then Terrell. Clearly people like this topic. Yeah, go ahead, Barbara.
8: Uh, I have two comments. Number one, fruming men, when they come to see me, I do not shake their hands, but I do touch them, and there is no problem. I can't examine them without touching them, and they know it. Right. And they don't seem to mind coming to see a female physician
5: yeah it's okay to see a female physician even if you are sherman yeah yeah right
1: though many do many try to uh, find male physicians but
5: correct but if you have to or if you are then it's not a problem
8: okay the the other comment is um i don't know how many women in this group have ever met a guy who wouldn't look at you much less touch your hand and that's really disconcerting and obnoxious I had dinner once in Spot. I knew the the wife of the guy that wouldn't look at me. As he was cooking and we were talking, he wouldn't look at me. As we were at the table, he wouldn't look at me. The other guy there was the brother of the wife. And I knew the wife and the brother from the time they were teenagers, young teenagers. And we would hug when we would see each other. So I, the, the, the one that wouldn't look at me because I was a woman, and I want you to know I was about 60 years older than him, something maybe only 55. So I don't think he or I would have had any kind of sexual feelings for each other. Um, the, the other one would, would look at me and talk to me, and, and I asked him, I said, if you've become so frum because he used to be a-religious, I said, why will you look at me when you're, brother-in-law won't look at me and has left the table because he doesn't want to be around me. And he said just exactly what Rebecca said earlier, and that is that he knew me and he felt he would be insulting me if he didn't talk to me and look at me since he knew me for so long and he knew me as a friend, as a doctor, both.
7: Right.
8: And I just right. thought it was rather interesting. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that any guy can feel bad enough they won't shake hands. But to feel you can't look at a
1: woman, holy cow! <laughs> I mean, it yeah. you know it comes from. I uh, we we had talked about um, in one of the episodes about hair, head coverings. You know that there is talks about the, oh, what.
5: Uh, I was going to say. I think it was the first episode. It was a long time ago.
1: Maybe, I think I was in New York for that. it anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it was back in november but uh, maybe it was the first, one of the first but um you know talked about erva and and you know sort of for for one of the reasons for one of the rationales for women covering their heads has to do with you know a woman's hair being considered erva or and then it talks about what about arms and forearms versus upper arms and so forth right and it, it says sort of even if you're looking at a woman's you know the end of her finger for the purpose of deriving benefit from it. That's a, you know, a woman other than your wife, that's a problem. So I think, right, it's the same kind of thing that if a man, right, there's how women, you know, how there's not pictures of women in creative publications and so forth, it's sort of like, once you start sexualizing many things, you start sexualizing everything. And suddenly it's like, you can't have any picture of any woman, <laughs> including Hillary Clinton in the Situation Room when they were talking to Bin Laden because it could be sexualized, right? So, yeah, it's it's sort of one of these uh slippery slope, never extension kinds of things. Um, yeah, that's something that's
3: a problem. Okay, uh, okay Norm. Norm. In regard to over-sexualization of things, unreasonably, um, there's a newspaper in Israel, a, a fairly widely circulated one, that does not print pictures of women. And <laughs> there is... An illustrated Megales Esther that I have seen pictures of, <coughs> where the only female you see in all the pictures is Haman's daughter, um, who is made to look rather hideous. Um, but I want. But I, in this episode, I was really bothered by the prevalence of people. Leaving places where they were responsible, where people were depending on them, under false pretenses. Um, Amir says, "I can't go because I'm being called up for reserve duty," but he's mm-hmm. not. Um, she walks out of her job at, at the bar, just walks out with no notice. When they're swamped, leaving her boyfriend and the other employees really extra shorthanded and 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 stuff. Um, the accountant. Um, ups and leaves again saying something false. It, this was a a pattern that I was really bothered by. And I yeah. don't know what halacha there is on it, but it seems like there ought to be some. I I understand we don't have slavery, and so somebody decides to walk off the job, they can walk off. But lying about it and doing it in this way seemed very distasteful to me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I I I didn't notice
1: the name of the episode, but often, you know, we've touched before on how often, like, a lot of episodes will have, you know, even the title of the episode will sort of touch on a a common thread that unites them. And that's certainly, I would say, the common thread in this episode is, right, people trying to sort of find their place, but alongside that, people Um, sort of, um, right, leaving, uh, right, a lot of false pretenses, a lot of um, people sort of feeling like where they are isn't the right fit, but then... You know, running or Hodea does that Hodea runs away from the um, whatever the, the museum? I forget what it's uh, you know the Bible Land Museum. I forget what it's in Hebrew, but yeah, you know, like so. There's a lot of that. You know, it's sort of a different topic, um, but you know, that is certainly a recurring theme in this episode. Um, in the band's agent, who you know, like. They say the band, the band is coming, and then you know the angel comes, and the band is with a different graphic designer. Like, there's a lot of sort of false pretenses.
9: Um, one of my pet peeves um, is this: that uh, Nati in his uh, typical elegant and very kind way, um, says people choose to be gay. Mm-hmm. That's just one of my pet peeves talk to a gay person and that's yeah. just not how that works. Yeah. Um, we talked. Oh, go ahead. You may have talked about that, uh, about that already. Um,
3: it made me doubt medical education in Israel.
9: Um, the, uh, scene in the park where Roe's on a park bench and this relatively attractive, possibly gay man walking his dogs possibly. down and introduces himself, likely in terms of how he was dressed and how he behaved. And roe runs away, which is something that I understand when, when I, I think I understand it psychologically When you're uncomfortable with a particular aspect of yourself, you run away from it mirrored in other people. But those are just some other things to discuss. Right. Yeah, Yeah, thank you.
1: Right, I think there's a number of pieces there. I think, right, there's the medical education piece and also acknowledging that it was, you know, the show was from, I mean, 11 years ago. So this is a topic where medical understandings have changed, I think even in 2008, nine um, people in the world of medicine should understand that it's not a choice, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's also his brother. And, you know, I think there could be an element of my brother is doing this to annoy me to right, like, I think there's a, not, you know, to annoy me to make my life harder in some way. Right. And that's even what Roby said to him before. It was like, Oh, you know, sorry that this is going to impact your social status when people know you have a gay brother, right? Like, there were, everything is about Nazi. And I think, I think that's a piece of what, you know, Nazi's sort of refusal to acknowledge this is specifically because it's his brother. And there's sort of that sense of, oh, he's doing this to, like, get at me or something. Um, that, uh, you know, where even if he, Nazi as a doctor might understand that that's not the case, he might think it's the case of his brother, um, that, you know, this is just a, a phase or this is, you know, something along this lines. Okay, Karen and then Terrell.
2: Touching on the park thing, what fascinated me about this or how I interpret was looking at it. He's sort of thinking about uh, right She's thinking about him. The guy comes and talks to her. He's, and then he's going for a walk and he's undecided what to do. And then temptation comes uh, and he runs because I think he doesn't want to make a decision at that moment. And so I think it really was showing his ambivalence. As as he said, eventually, when you spend so much time in the yeshiva, you don't know who you are and what you are and all. Of it. Mm-hmm. So I loved that piece. And as you're talking, man and man, can they shake hands? Because the kid... Put his hand out yeah yeah and,
1: there's no, oh, sorry
2: right and so i was just i was thinking because you brought that up again with the touching man to man is that going to be sexual you know who
5: knows but uh that's ex- that's exactly what i thought of when i saw that moment because this yeah. is something that i've spoken about before um and asked a lot of questions about before but the um that moment where then he doesn't shake his hand, right? He just gets up and he goes. I wonder if he's thinking in that moment, like, is this something that I can do? Not necessarily like halakhically, but is this something that I should be doing if I know that there could be an attraction or any kind of feelings, um, chemistry, that's the word I was looking for before. of any kind of chemistry between me and this guy because he is of the gender that I am, you know,
1: Right.
5: attracted to right, right.
1: that's a great point i mean I, i'll say that you know when i've had conversations like this with gay from people there's sort of there's that one side a sense of like well if i'm only attracted to men maybe i should be having you know restrictions on negia on touching with other men and then there's simultaneously a side that says like you know what there's enough there's enough restrictions on gay men already that we don't like why do we need to be burdening ourselves with more <laughs> like you know if we can't have you know a you know at least for gay orthodox men you know you can't have a um you know a sex life wedding where there's limitations on your sex uh, on you know sexually what you can do right wedding things like that like why why should we Bring in a whole nother level of restrictions. Like there's already enough restrictions. Let's like, you know, we can be lenient on this area because we're strict on everything else. Like that's sort of, ha- whatever. The conversation, as I've which is which it. is
5: interesting, except for to play the woman yeah. card for just a second. There are a lot of restrictions on women. Um. So you know, the idea of saying that this is going to be something that is yet another restriction on women just because they were born into a certain gender. Um. Is an interesting. I don't disagree with you, but it is an interesting kind of mirror to that to that statement because a woman could back could go back to someone who comments that way and say, and say, "Yeah, there's a lot against you, and there's a lot against me, and yet I'm being told that I have to follow these laws um, without without any question." What is,
1: what, sort of why add on more laws and more stringencies that aren't part of the. I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: No, I'm just yeah. saying, like, why, why not then get rid of, like, a law that is a stringency for me, just because I'm a woman. That's what I'm saying.
1: Because those are laws, as I'm saying. <laughs> meaning, yeah. we're not talking at this point about getting rid of laws that are already on the books. Right, you're talking about, about adding law. more laws that aren't right. on the right. books in a sense of, like, why add more? There's, it's already hard enough,
5: kind of. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Tara.
3: Rabbi uh, Josh. so, but kind of like, the, with, with her- thing about, like, touching women. Does, like, I think you kind of made a comment about, like, age limits, such, to because you know, living in the South, you might come across, like, an 85-year-old woman who's, like, in a walker. He you said, you're a rabbi. Oh, hi. And, then, and she wants to give you a hug. Are you going to rebuff her or go in for
1: it? So well, right, it's like, that's why there's not, like, a hard and fast rule, per se, about it. Like, I remember when I was in yeshiva, um, that like our former the former president of the yeshiva who was on his way out um i remember at the gala like right before you know the annual dinner or whatever the gala he was like i don't care what <laughs> the harsh yeshiva says like if if, a, if an older woman comes up to you and introduces herself like shake her hands like you know like that's right I, I mean and this comes up with souls also of like right if you're in a context with people who Right, Some people are, are just not going to offer their hand, and, and fine. But like if someone's offering their hand, go shake their hands. <laughs> and Rabbi LePatin would say, even if they didn't offer your hands, go, you know, go put out your hand, go shake their hands. Um, so again, there, there's no hard and fast rule. The laws on the books are, as I showed from Maimonides and the Shulchan Aruch and so forth, it's really about someone who you would derive benefit from the Kiruv Basar, the closeness of the, you know, the, the physical contact closeness of the flesh the physical contact, right and so forth so really honestly right there's a difference between for one thing holding hands versus shaking hands um and so i remember one of my former roommates would say that like i will shake hands with women but i will not hold hands with women um that's like what you know there because there's different connotations especially in the modern world um and then i think right i think there's also that piece of right giving a hug or or help right helping across the street is a different story but like Right, giving a hug to a woman who's clearly, what you know, not someone would be a possibility of you know, sexual relations and you're not getting any romantic, um, you know, intimacy from that. Certainly, halophically, it's fine. And I think, like, socially, it's probably okay, too. Look, a lot of very firm men won't do it, but, like, I don't think there's any problem with that because, I could, you know, you sort of understand that this is not the thing that's prohibited. It's sort of common sense yeah, falling tripping and falling is a totally different thing. Someone trips and falls, absolutely a man can help them out. That came up in the first episode. Oh, no it did come first episode the guy who Hodaya went on a date with who like when they were in high school, she was falling in like a, you know, a muddy river or something and he wouldn't help her because, you know, Nagia. Like that's that's a different you know, a different thing. But yeah, that's totally fine.
5: There's also, there's also a world in which like if you are in a large space and you're walking with somebody and you're trying to keep them close to you, you're going to the same place together or you're trying to get out of a crowd or whatever, like tapping them on the shoulder or pulling their arm is also okay, right? Cause you're, you're doing it for the benefit of that person's maybe not safety, but like making sure that, that person stays with you or follows you through a crowd or whatever. I mean, this, I feel like the, the, the from men that I know in my life, most of them I see at APAC. And I feel like this happens at APAC all the time. Like these are not people I'm hugging nor touching in any way. And yet I, there have been many an instance where they like tap you on the shoulder and say, Rebecca, we're going this way or like pull your arm to get you to go in the other direction. So There's 18,000 people. Um, no, uh, but that's, but I think that's something that, that is also, Again, not safety, but it's like for the, for the betterment of that person. It's clearly
1: not romantic touch, right? That's right, the only thing that's prohibited is romantic touch. <laughs> In fact, touch maybe it's the right.
6: opposite. Right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I think like something aggressive. like tapping on the shoulder, like right, those things that, uh, that are clearly not romantic. Right. And again, then it's bringing it back to this week's topic of like, okay, so maybe then you just say none of it applies to someone like Roe, who doesn't derive benefit from any romantic contact with women, Again, he, he at least doesn't drive any, you know, sexual benefit. He doesn't, you know, doesn't, uh, whatever the language of the shah about it, arousing passion in your heart or whatever. Like, that doesn't happen. He might feel emotionally connected, but that's different. Um, so,
5: Rebecca and Leonard.
6: Yeah, our daughter went to a modern Orthodox high school. And so there were a lot of occasions where there were group events and meetings, get-togethers. And so when, when I would meet... Um, uh, staff members, teachers, as well as parents, I wouldn't extend my hand or, you know, how often when you meet somebody, you know, you, 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 oh, nice to meet you kind of thing, because especially with the parents, you didn't know what kind of uh, uh, level of religious observance and if they Mm -hmm. were, showing. yeah, so I, I wouldn't initiate it, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I, I kind of felt like, it was saying more about me than it was about them. Somehow I'm mm. thinking, oh, are they thinking that I'm Shomer Nagia, that I'm, you know, kind of yeah. held back. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that was, to me, it was awkward because especially mm. with parents, I guess, you know, you don't know each other. You don't know who's, uh, who's more, you know, who's observing Shomer Nagia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that was Right, I mean, certainly in places that I've lived, like when I lived in Washington Heights, like no one ever offered their hands to some of the, you know, the other gender because it's just like <laughs> not everyone was but like just it's it's just easier, like you know, you don't like it's a from enough area, from enough community that even if some people are in Roman尼亚 and some people are, like no one's offering it, right? um, and so it ends up being often like a just a sort of a social norm where even if you say I do shake hands, I know in this place. I don't offer my hand because there's a possibility or perhaps even a probability that the person I would be offering it to wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take my hand, wouldn't, you know, it would create an awkward situation. So yeah, that's certainly,
0: that's
1: And then sometimes you that's don't know exactly. which of us is refusing. <laughs> you know, it's just easier sometimes. Again, COVID and COVID, for
5: COVID makes us very, easy. oh, oh exactly. we just have the same thing at the same time. Okay, Debbie do. <laughs> So I
2: just want to speak out for doctors. You know, I finished my training over 30 years ago in the middle of the AIDS crisis. And even at that time, we still knew that it was not a choice. And um, Nati's, Nati is not speaking as a doctor as mm-hmm. far as, you know, I mean, doctors have known for a long time that it's not a choice. I just mm-hmm. thought I'd stand up for doctors.
1: hmm but yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you're right, Nati. And I and, and saw there was a conversation in the chat, which I think is really helpful that I think Nati might be worried that not only does this reflect a certain way on him, but maybe he's actually worried, like, am I gay? He doesn't really know. Like, he's worried about, you know, as someone who struggled and sort of with romantic relationships and has said, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, maybe he's worried about himself. I saw Rabbi, Rabbi Barbara made that point. So I think that's a good point as well. Also, from what I understand medically, like orientation is not static. And like, I know a number of women in their 40s who were married and in their 40s, suddenly their attractions changed and suddenly were like not at all attracted to their husbands and were only attracted to women and, you know, and ended up getting divorced and and, like have had to navigate that and been like. I wasn't like it wasn't like a thing they were hiding, like their actual their you know, there was a change in it, which apparently is not uncommon for middle aged women. That that especially with women, um often that like those things change over time. Um and this, so, you know, yeah, it's not necessarily as static as we sometimes, you know, pretend or believe.
5: Um, Ride Parnick, because it's yes. six fifty eight and we usually end at seven. Do you want to just bring up the other topic that we were just going to mention, or do you not want to do that?
1: I could bring it up um, <laughs> when, we were, when we were when uh, we were thinking of topics. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if this is something that will come back up. But we were talking a little bit about the idea of like the the Auschwitz trip that Amir was going to or was sort of being sent on, and just sort of the it's not a halakhic topic, but just sort of the the idea that that is an established part of the Israeli high school curriculum, right? The Israeli high school kids, religious, secular, doesn't matter, go to Poland, go to Auschwitz, right? Like that's sort of just a part of, it's a part of the curriculum. Um, And, you know, I think that's just interesting. Um, I'm not saying positively or negatively. Like I think there are positives, I think there are negatives, right? That that is sort of an established part of, their understanding of what it means to sort of infuse Jewish identity in their students is like they go to Auschwitz. So that was a thing that we were going to talk about, um, and I don't have any particularly brilliant insights about it. <laughs> Just, I think it's something that is you know I'm sure we could have a whole conversation. Um, of that is that a good way to infuse? Hey Mike, you no. Know, what yeah. I was what I was going to say is that I didn't first. First of all, I think it's a positive, but. I know we don't want to dwell on it. It's uh, 7 o'clock out in California. But I don't think that uh, Amir was refusing to go because he didn't believe in the yeah. purpose of the trip. He Correct. was just, being, I'm Correct. mad at the school for not promoting me. I'm not going. Right, right, right. I think, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think that was, I just It was sort of a thing in passing that was sort of like, I mean, it's, it's interesting and I think notable just that that is sort of a universal piece of, right like it's not a thing we do in america Necess- whoa, you know we whoa, send whoa, whoa. kids we send not, kids to israel but yeah i How about all the kids who go on march for life or is that a canadian thing
5: march, the march for the living no, is a really
1: thing that students can choose to go on when they are in high school in There's montreal a it's a big go. thing i know in montreal sends a big group it's a whole thing they have a whole special yeah. prayer at the shower for them i, I know yeah, yeah. i was there for that um, but it's not a it's not like a universal thing. Like Going to Israel in the eighth grade is a common but not universal thing for Jewish day schools. But like going to Poland to Auschwitz as part of the school curriculum, less. Like, right? um,
5: okay, two last comments, and then I'm freezing, so we're going to end. Okay, Denise and then Norm.
0: Okay, so I have a friend who's a high school teacher in Israel in Morin, and she took the kids on the March of the Living a couple of years ago. Yeah. Also, she's a homeroom teacher, and from her comments, first of all, I, put, I never understood that either one of those was an honor. It sounds like a lot of extra work. Um, so I thought that I was surprised when Amir was, like, angling for it. Um, but also, what she told me is that she was surprised how the kids from Sephardi backgrounds were so unfamiliar with the Holocaust narrative. And that to a lot, you know, some of them were just shocked and it was like really eye-opening. Some of them felt like, oh, this happened to them, but not to us. And it was like a whole range of reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just interesting. and, And maybe that's part of why they do it is to kind of integrate everybody into a sense of this is part of our history.
5: Yeah, for sure. And and I also, ride Pernick and I talked about this a little bit earlier, um, together, not with everybody, um, that that it's possible that one of the reasons that he was asked to go on it was given his own kind of familial situation, right? He only has a wife, no kids, that kind of thing. And potentially one of the reasons that he didn't go on it was because he recognized that he was being asked to do something that, as you said, Feels like more work than than less work, yeah. <laughs> and though and though it might be a wonderful experience, he realized he might be walking away at a time when we can kind of tell he and Yifat are not necessarily gelling at the moment. So maybe that was going to be a time that wasn't going to be great for their marriage. And yet the school recognized that this would be a good thing for him. He has a great relationship with the students and he would be able to go given his situation. So I think you're right. And I just wanted to add that that perspective that Riley like, Pernick and yeah. I spoke about a little bit.
3: Norm. I thought it was really weird that they were asking a male teacher to accompany all these female yeah. teenagers, especially for that school. Mm-hmm. And also, um, he it was clear he had been one of the people there on the trip in one or two of the previous years. So how wonderful an experience it is, it wouldn't be brand new to him. Um, The other thing is when we were in Krakow six or eight years ago, um, and had been told that Shabbos morning services would be at the Ramah Shul, we went to the Ramah Shul, there was no sign of anything remotely like that. And when we came outside, there was a group of Israeli students Eighth or ninth grade could, would, could certainly be be what they were. Um, sitting on the ground while somebody was lecturing, they were clearly all secular. But I was able to, in a moment when, when the leader stopped speaking, to speak in Hebrew and ask him if he knew where the services were. And he didn't. But luckily, one of the students had overheard that they'd been moved back to some other shul. There's, you know, there's like six or eight huge shuls all in one little neighborhood in Krakow and Kajimej. and so we were able to go to the other shul and it was it was an interesting interaction that i had with these israelis there in, in this square where there's the ramah shul on one side and on the other side is an array of half a dozen um or or more jewish style restaurants that none of us on this uh, Zoom would recognize as being Jewish style, including the one that was kosher. Right.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I also I'll just note. You know, I was saying before about how like the Poland thing and like in America we don't necessarily do that. Like, I should note most of the places where I've lived haven't had a Jewish high school. Um, they've had like Jewish <laughs> in, like middle school. So I'm like, yeah, the eighth grade goes to Israel. I don't actually know how how common. I don't think it's universal. I'm um, but I know Rebecca slash. Leonard were saying about you know high schoolers you know, there is the March of the living, I think a lot of high schools do go on that so so there is a network for people to go to Poland and then usually go from there to Israel for Americans to do right and that that's also part of the whole oh you know poland israel story you know, It's a whole, yeah a whole uh, topic, but yeah, there's a lot you know in those areas where there's not a lot of Jews living, there are a lot of Jews. yeah Robert is that. Or, no, nope, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, could uh, could Amir uh, felt rejected uh, by the Ashkenazi school itself or his superior, uh, and felt like they, they don't really care about me, uh, and uh, it's it's not helping my possible future promotion. So I'm go- I'm going to tell him I'm going into the reserves. You know. Yeah, it could be. It could be like it's not my history anyway. Like this is a thing I did last year in order to help get a promotion. You didn't give me the promotion, right? Like I don't feel connected to it anyway. Um, Yeah, that certainly could be the case. Um, Yeah, there's could be we, but um, we don't know for sure, right? And then they go to right as, as Rebecca slash Leonard says, you know, then they go to Israel after Poland. They're so uplifted, right? This is it's actually interesting. So there's a bill that's being proposed in the Louisiana legislature about Holocaust education that was written by Christians United for Israel. And the state director of Christians United for Israel is like, a, he comes to a lot of our classes, but not this case, Uh my classes. And so, you know, he sent it to me and I was worried that it was going to be something that was very like Holocaust into Israel, right? And It actually wasn't, and I think it's actually like a bill that the Federation and ADL are going to, like, approve of and sign off on. on. But often that's sort of the narrative of, like, oh, the Holocaust, but Israel. And it actually, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It, like, needens a history that's actually not that neat, right? Like, it's, if you go to the Holocaust Museum in Israel, um, Yad Vashem, like you see actually the way that the, they tell the story has changed over the decades. Um, and there were sort of, it goes from like, Oh, the, you know, the poor victim survivors who then came to Israel and helped build up the land. And, and it sort of has changed is you know, the Holocaust is sort of recognized as its own phenomenon and doesn't have to necessarily be looked at through the lens of Israel. Um, and I think that's like one of the challenges sometimes we see about March of the living is if it's sort of like, Oh, Eastern Europe, Holocaust, but but now Israel, like it's a narrative, but there's also you know there's more nuance um, to to sort of those storylines.
7: I think also the Mizrahim have their own they, not the scale of the Holocaust, but they they were they were almost wiped out if Israel hadn't really rescued most of them. Uh, so they,
1: they if you're 16 years old or 12, you don't know you might not know that but um there's a there is mizrahi um history of a near holocaust yeah right so you're right so there's also that piece of you know back to the uh, normativity thing that we talked about before uh, you know is that right is that uh is he feeling in touch with his mizrahi roots and he's like why am i going out it's like that's not my history that could mm-hmm. be, that certainly could be a piece of okay um i see i see. You know what? I'm gonna. I think we'll end here. I see Michael has his hand up. No, no, no it's okay. Okay, no, end. Fine, fine. Um, so, yeah. Rabbi Shatz wants to call it a night. I know she's cold up.
5: I, I, some of you have asked me. This is not a virtual background. I'm actually outside right now, so I'm just very cold. I'm like 50 feet from the ocean, and I'm just very cold. So, um, but it's lovely being here with all of you. You're you're warming my soul. But we can close now.
1: And I appreciate that. I know some of our New Orleans backgrounds have been uh, entertaining for you know, some of you from Very afar. Entertaining. You get to see all the lightning. And the, yeah, so. Yeah, the My, I have less lightning. I mean, I have, you can, depending on how I'm sitting, you can see the lightning in the
5: back. I chatted Rabbi Pernick at one point. And I was like, did your TV just go on? And it was lightning. So um, there we go.
0: Okay.
5: It was lovely to see you all. Um, the Freemans have a question. Asher Kohen.
7: Yes, uh, thank you again. Uh, I do have a question, though. I seem to remember hearing a story, which I think is from the Talmud, of a rabbi who says, what's the blessing you're supposed to say on seeing a beautiful woman? And he was chastised to say, you're not supposed to look. And he said, well, she turned the corner where just where I was looking, and I had no chance. I saw her, and I just praise God for creating such a beauty, something like that. And does that ring a bell?
1: Dad, yeah, Dad, I'll let you take this one. I take that. Thank
10: you for the, the <laughs> setup. So, um, Leonard, back in like 1976, I was visiting my grandmother in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I got a call from Sports Illustrated magazine because I had written them a, a letter. And they wanted to verify that this was correct. And maybe it actually was, I think it was seventy-seven, Doesn't matter. So, <laughs> I cleaned up the language a little from the Talmud, which speaks of a pagan, but it talks about some rabbis who were sitting amidst the ruins of the of the temple, and they saw a beautiful pagan wo- woman walk by, and they exclaimed, "Marabu ma'asecha Hashem kulam b'chokma sita." Well, you know, and so I and I wrote that, "How great are your works, O Lord, and wisdom you have made them all." And I wrote that because it was the winter time when, if you have ever read sports illustrated all these people start writing and saying cancel my subscription because the swimsuit issue was coming out and i said if i wanted to subscribe to pornography i would da, da, da and it happens every year people say cancel my subscription i didn't know Da da da, 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 da. and i said you know you're going to get all these letters from religious people but i said the babylonian talmud has a very different perspective and then i told that story and i said 10 to that i can only add amen <laughs>
1: You also weren't married at that time. He's it, not married. That's correct. You
5: know. <laughs> Would that have mattered?
1: I don't know. Just you know. a
10: subscriber. What? I also knew less Talma than I know now.
5: Ah, uh, <laughs> and that's a good way to end a podcast.
1: You knew the I important less
5: Talma than yeah yeah. Okay. Have a great night, everyone. See you. Lila Tove, turn, turn on the heat. Yes, I will go inside. Home.